This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, by my good friend and partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. And, uh, Pipe, we had... Uh, an exciting NCAA championship game a few days ago, uh, featuring one Trevor Lawrence, who uh, is a very, uh, I guess, polarizing figure, but I guess interesting figure in that um, you know he kind of took the the nation in college football by storm here um, in the the second half of the season. And um, there's the sense that maybe he peaked too early, um, in that these NFL guys they can't go pro right away. For, first of all, let's talk about going pro right away, like. If you were an NFL scout and you saw Trevor Lawrence and how he thoroughly dissected, um, you know, this unbelievable Alabama team, it wasn't their greatest defense of all time, but still, it's Alabama. It's the national championship. A year ago, this kid was playing high school football. Right. Um, if if he were allowed to go pro, so this is like a like a Marcus Dupree in the '80s kind of situation <laughs> where you see yeah. him as a freshman, he burns college football to the ground. Um, and you're going, what a shame this kid can't go and get paid right away because he looks, uh, by all, by all accounts to be ready. Um, is he ready? I mean, is, is this the kind of guy you would take a shot at if you're an NFL team provided he could come out? Um, I think, I don't think any, given the physical demands of the NFL, I don't think any college freshman is ready. Like even tearing up the NCAA, you look at him, you're like, he's, he's a physical specimen, Yeah, but he's a physical specimen for an 18 year old or 19 year old. Sure. Sure. He's, I mean, even if you, you look at guys in the NFL, like Peyton Manning, when he came into the league versus Peyton Manning, 10 years into his career, Tom Brady, when he came into the league versus Tom Brady, now like physically they just change and they yeah. they get leaner and stronger and more you know or bigger and stronger i mean there's yeah, just that's, a, right. that's right he's not ready there's I mean, a maturation still, curve to the body especially for that sport yeah um that's, well, that's, and, then, and then being quarterback there's a maturation of like the nuances of football yeah and i don't know that he can read a defense I know that he has really good offensive coaches and some freaky talented receivers. He clearly has an amazing arm. Yeah. He seems to have a really good head on his shoulders in terms of like handling pressure, but that's not the same as like manipulating Ed Reed to one side of the field so you can <laughs> throw right. to the other, you know? Dude, so here's the here's the crazy thing to be about Trevor Lawrence and I'll I'll make the I'll make the argument I guess that he is ready or he's as ready as other prospects have been. Um so you look at his body and you compare it to all the terrible bodies that are currently playing quarterback in the NFL. I mean, <laughs> athletically, I take I take Trevor Lawrence over you know Philip Rivers, Tom Brady at this point. I mean, great quarterbacks. Um, you know, all these guys that I'm mentioning, Eli Manning. You know, um, so not physically, a great quarterback, not a great quarterback, but also not a great body. So yeah, um, you know, I, I think from a physical readiness standpoint, I mean, even a guy like. You know, Josh Rosen, by all accounts, great athlete, you know, um, takes care of himself, keeps himself in shape. You know, I don't, I don't know that his stature is that much different than Trevor Lawrence's at this stage. Um, and the thing the thing to me about his game pipe and having watched him a couple of times this season, I watch Clemson games, you know, more closely than than I guess you would casually um, when you heat that kid up, like usually the way to the way to ruin a young quarterback is to heat him up and to bring some pressure, mm-hmm. um, which Alabama did not do for the first couple quarters. They laid back and he did surgery. 
Um, and then Alabama started to heat him up, and he still did surgery. Um, this is a kid who's done great under pressure. You know, he's even better against the blitz than he is in non-blitz situations, which I think is really unique for any quarterback, but really unique for a young quarterback. And I think what's what's interesting <laughs> about Trevor Lawrence is that if the NFL didn't have this rule, and if Trevor Lawrence could declare for the draft, there would be there would be a whole bunch of yelling and screaming about how not ready he is, but he would go in the top 10. Um, and yes. so what's going to happen to this kid pipe over the next two years is that we are going to nitpick him to death. People are going to find all, all these faults in his game. And it may be that his marketability is never better than it is today. Um, which is a shame, you know, in, in, in the free market sense of it, where yeah. a kid could go out and make a bunch of money if, if he, you know, chose to. And and this thing is, I don't think I don't think what you'll what we will see over the next two years of mm-hmm. of his college career. You know, assuming he doesn't do some crazy petition to try to get into the NFL early. Yeah. So he's got two more years of of college before he's allowed to go to the draft. I don't think we're going to see him be dramatically better than he was this season, or uh, you know, or or especially in that championship game because that was. I mean, he was sort of peak performance. That was mm-hmm. that was a really remarkable performance. Yeah. Almost I, perfect. And and it's it's a little bit like the NBA in that way where fresh a freshman superstar is not ready to go into the league and dominate. Yeah, yeah. But they will never be more ready to be drafted than they are right now. Yeah, that's um, right. You know, like uh, the guy from Duke this year, not Zion Williamson, talking college basketball now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the other guy, not Cam Reddish, um, I'm blanking. <clears throat> they have three freshman superstars. I think it's a JR or something or other. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember. But he's going to be a, a top two or you know two to five pick. I think Zion's probably going number one overall. Sure. And he's not going to be good as a rookie. He'll yeah. be fine. He'll be yeah. he'll be okay. But he will be he is more draftable this year than if he stayed in college two more years and showed like marginal and subtle gain as a player. Yeah. Like if he yeah. if he just got a little bit better, he would he'd be like the twelfth pick. Which sure. is crazy, but reality. Yeah, and I think the same is true for Lawrence. Like he's not—he runs the risk of being like the thirtieth overall pick in two years because scouts <laughs> have right. found every single thing they don't like about him. That's 32 right. Thirty-two hot takes have been written about his goofy hair. Yep. and you know whatever else. Like, there's somebody's yeah. going to write the article. There's never been a good NFL quarterback with long hair. Oh, That's most gonna, definitely, it's going to be written. It is. It's absolutely going to be written. And yeah, I mean, it's it's a shame that he can't you know, sort of be drafted into the right situation right now where he could redshirt for a couple of years. I mean, this would be a perfect, like, Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger succession plan. Man, the Vikings should take him just so they can get rid of Kirk Cousins soon. I mean, he's got two more years on that terrible contract, and then uh, then let's start Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, that would be incredible, man. That would be incredible. But uh, My apologies for saying his name on the podcast. Dude, no, you can say it in the context of him losing and being terrible, and then in okay. that case, it's it's a fine thing to mention on the podcast. <laughs> Fair but enough. No, no, that's, I know my, my you know sliding scale of morality vis-a-vis Kirk Cousins, it's, uh, it's a hard thing to keep tabs on. But... Um, yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if one of these upstart leagues, Piper, and this happened in the USFL. So the reason that Herschel Walker and Marcus Dupree were able to turn pro early was because of the USFL. Um, and I wonder if the AAF or one of these other upstart leagues doesn't say, um, you know, to the Trevor Lawrences of the world, um, you know, we would we would take you if you want to turn pro right now. Now that wouldn't be a great 
a great move for Trevor Lawrence either, but it would be a way for a kid and the and the G League is trying this in the NBA. It'd be a way for a kid to begin, you know, generating income on his name in a in a very dangerous sport where there's no guarantees, you know. Did did Steve Young go to the USFL too? He did. Yep. He was a, a member of the LA Express, the Los <coughs> Angeles Express at the time. Um, signed the richest contract in pro sports history. A ton of it was deferred. A ton of it was like annuity money. But uh, which but means yeah. he probably never saw it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he saw it. You know, it's a good question. But uh, but yeah, Steve Young, Herschel Walker, Doug Flutie, Mike Rozier, um, a lot of great names from the mid '80s. Uh, a lot of big college football names went went right to the USFL. So um, that league had a lot of talent, a lot of dudes. And I know the AAF isn't trying to compete with the NFL, so it's kind of apples and oranges at this point. But um, but yeah, rather mm-hmm. than stay in college and get your body beat up for zero dollars. Um, you know, it would be interesting if there was another option for these kids. Um, and if so, would they would they take it or would they do the conventional thing and stay in school? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Um, it, yeah, I think, a- I think the money for going into any alternative league would have to be really dramatic. Because for yeah. somebody like Lawrence, so let's say – let's say he sticks it out in college and he declines as a prospect. Like this is as good as he gets. Yeah. And so, which means he'll still be a great quarterback prospect, but will have declined in people's estimation. So he goes 28th overall. He's a late first round pick. Um, Think like like Lamar Jackson or something. Sure. That's still like a $4 million payday. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. That's um, no other league is handing out $4 million paydays at this point. Yeah, that's right. That's, so that's it, absolutely you know, right. it would have to be wild money for him to to give up the risk. Now, if I was a running back, yeah, I would strike. Say Travis Etienne, their running back, who's a freshman or a sophomore. Yeah, I would look at a you know seven hundred thousand dollar payday to leave because because you have a short shelf life as a running back, and so if you can get paid for any of those years, yeah, you should right. consider it. That's absolutely right. So follow up question vis a vis Trevor Lawrence. Um, I watched the game. I watched almost the whole game in my living room with a bunch of high school boys, so friends of my son. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as you can well imagine, they had a lot of comments about Trevor Lawrence um, and the punchability of his face. Um, in in true high school boy fashion, they were both, like, in awe of Trevor Lawrence, but also massively threatened <laughs> by him because he's close enough in age to them. Um, so they decided that they... Because he's so much better than they are at the thing that they wish they were good at. Which is all of life. At this point, like, like, I don't, I don't know where Trevor Lawrence is at spiritually by any stretch of the imagination, but if there was ever a human being who was a candidate for like literally dying of too much sex, it would, it would be Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that kid's got, (laughs) that kid's got the world on a string right now, you know, um, you know, he's six, six sculpted, you know, he's got the golden boy hair and, uh, he just won the, won the national title. So he, he is at risk of. Of lots of bad decisions right now, oh, and he's probably definitely. the he's probably the target of people trying to take advantage of his risk of being. Piper, <laughs> wouldn't, uh, wouldn't all those bad decisions? Absolutely, wouldn't it be the parenting job of a lifetime, though? In all seriousness, like so, if your kid is Trevor Lawrence, and he has the kind of apex mountain moment of his life at age eighteen as a true freshman in college, you know he's got all all this stuff flying at him, temptation wise, and even just the temptation to you know, a massive ego and arrogance and self-reliance. And at the same time, as a parent, you're being tempted to the same things, right? Because everyone in the world is telling you what a great job you did and how amazing your child is. And I mean, what an interesting, like, crucible for a family like that to walk through 
um, spiritually. You know, that's the thing that as a Christian parent in sports, like that's the moment that you dream about. That's the thing that every Christian parent wants probably. But it would also be from a spiritual standpoint, maybe absolutely the worst thing that could possibly happen to your kid. Because apart from Christ and apart from, you know, the the circumcision of the of the heart, you know, that kid has – almost a 0% chance of not being a douche, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, and 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 that's best case scenario. Yeah, like, that's right. There's, that's there, right. there are criminal possibilities. There are all of the opportunities to, to mistreat women, to abuse yep. substances, to, you know, just all of the things that come with the, the perception of kind of invincibility and power. Yeah. I mean, it, he, he is... He he has the possibility of being very Tim Tebow ish. Yeah. Um, now Tebow is super outspoken, but like won a championship his freshman year. Now he was co quarterbacking with Chris Leak, I think that year. Yep. But um, and uh, Tebow comes up because you know he has been like a a notorious notorious is the wrong word a yeah, sort of very famous virtuous bachelor for a long time now, yeah. and just announced his engagement to former Miss Universe whose name I can't remember because it's. It has many hyphens. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I like that. That's probably best case scenario for Trevor Lawrence is like yeah. be be virtuous until you sort of find, meet your match in terms of like fame and beauty. Fame and Although in his case, the beauty yeah. is in the eye of the beholder. With that's Tim true. Tebow, it's just objective. He's yeah. just a handsome dude. Dude, right. A handsome dude who kind of immediately settled, you know, for me, and I'm a curmudgeon, so take this with a grain of salt, but. Tebow almost settled too comfortably, too quickly into like, I'm I'm the evangelical mouthpiece of the world. You know, I mean, he just he allowed himself, and I think his family allowed him to. You mean the fact that he's written like two memoirs at the age of thirty? Yeah, that, that you know, thing? and 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 people jump on those things, and you know how it is in the business. I mean, you know, a a good looking white athlete utters, you know, the Lord's name one time, and you know, immediately everybody's throwing book deals at him, which you know, is a, a tough thing to handle at that age. And unless you have, I, I guess where I'm going with all this, I think it takes a really special set of parents to navigate all this, to not glom on in a way that's, you know, creepy and ego driven themselves. You know what I mean? This, this is like an almost impossible thing to navigate and, and leave it to me to find like the negative in, in, you know, this super good looking kid winning the national championship. I mean, I'm sure people, hate me for this but i don't know it's well, the first I, thing i thought i don't i don't think it's curmudgeonly i think it's it's the perspective of somebody way on the other side of this like sure. you and i have we we crossed that hill we are no longer identifying with the athletes yeah when when they showed the when they showed you know the shots of of lawrence's family you know and it's like his dad who's super intense looking his mom yeah. who looks just you know like the kind of the the perfect southern mother. Yep. And I'm assuming it was his sister there and she's you know, she's yeah. the the cheerleader or whatever. Sure, sure. And uh and it, they just you look at, I, I associate with them much more than I do him. Yeah. I've never been that good of an athlete. And That's if right. I was ever going to be a decent athlete, it was fifteen years ago or twenty years ago. Yeah. So yeah, it makes total sense to sit there and go, What would it be like for my kid to be in this spot? Because I mean you have yeah. a son who's in high school, which is yeah. two years away from where yeah. Trevor Lawrence is yeah. at. So yeah. I don't think it's curmudgeonly. I think it's an interesting perspective. And yeah, it is. <clears throat> I mean, my dad has told me, he's he's told me, he's like, I'm terrified 
of you guys, me and my my siblings, mm-hmm. being really wealthy. Yeah. Because of how that messes with people. Oh, dude, it's so true. And your dad's your dad's seen it in the business of Christendom and outside the business. And he's so right, man. I mean, that's such a good word because it's the one thing that I, I think a lot of thoughtful Christians would pay lip service to what your dad has said, but deep down we're all really attracted to it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And everybody's drawn to it. Like think about even how it works in church polity, right? So the lay leader at every small to mid-sized church is always the richest dude. You know, the richest dude whose business is the most successful, like that's the guy kind of like running the elders board and and kind of in in the worst case scenario being a bull in the china shop and trying to be like trying to transfer his business principles into the church and yes dude your dad is right like money ruins almost everybody yet it's the thing that all of us want really really badly and um i don't know yeah i think there's a lot of just cautionary stuff in this trevor lawrence story and interesting stuff to think about from a parent's perspective and um, let me lay another thing on you, Pipe. And again, I'm, I'm probably showing my age here and I'm showing like what sort of athlete narratives I like versus the ones that I don't like. <laughs> but there's something about Trevor Lawrence and really every quarterback that's come up in the last like five to eight years, including, you know, Josh Rosen, Kirk Cousins. Um, there's a roboticness about these guys where they all go to the same camps. They all have the same like boutique quarterback tutors, you know, starting at age toddler, you know, and I'm sorry to me, there's just nothing, there's nothing really captivating about that narrative. It's like, you know, your dad spent $30,000 a year to get you like this elite boutique quarterback training. And you've been drinking like metrics, protein shakes, four meals a day for the last decade. And now you're now you're amazing. Well, congratulations, you know? Yeah, and, and on the flip side, you know, we, you and I both like the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel yep. Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. And yep. it's, they, they offer this great scouting perspective. But there's a weirdness to that, too, because those guys are on like a first-name basis with 17-year-olds. Yeah. Because, because of scouting, because of coaching at these quarterback yep. camps. Yep. Um, and it, it really does it, – it's a little bit like the AAU scene on the basketball side where – these guys are all friends. They all know each other. Yeah. They're all kind of grouped together from like age 14 on. Yeah. And, and yeah, then, then when they come up, it's like there's nothing standout about these guys. That's where somebody like uh, like Andrew Luck had a weird backstory because yeah. his I think his, I think his parents were like he, was, he grew up overseas because yeah, right. his dad was an ambassador or something like that. Yeah, his dad actually played in the NFL. His, his dad, Oliver Luck, was a – you know, a, a bench guy, a quarterback, um, you know, never really distinguished himself at the pro level. But he was like he was overseas, like setting up the World League of American football and being yeah, like NFL right. Europe guy when Andrew was a kid. So, yeah, he had a, you know, a little bit different perspective on the whole thing. So he didn't and, grow up kind of going to all the American camps and seven on yeah. sevens and all that stuff. And, you know, Baker Mayfield is a little different because he yeah. was a walk on yep. and then and then left. You know Texas Tech and went to Oklahoma, and he's, he's undersized and has an outsized ego, and is a super yeah. captivating personality. Absolutely. And to be honest, though, it it kind of shows the racism in scouting or this mm-hmm. stuff too, because notice none of the good black quarterbacks are lumped into this robotic, 
yeah. quarterback camp culture. So like Dude, that's so true. Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, um, yeah. who, uh, Dwayne Jarrett, who is that? That's a, not Dwayne Jarrett. Um, Dwayne Jarrett was the, a what, receiver. Well, um, yes, that's right. What's Ohio State's quarterback's name? Uh, Dwayne Haskins. Haskins, that's right. Yeah. Jarrett was a receiver a couple years ago. So yeah. these none of those guys are part of this. Or like Teddy Bridgewater when he came out, they're not yeah. part of this crew. Like they, yeah, that because it's because it, it takes elite money. Dude, it does. It takes elite to, money to, to put like people in this to buy your way into that club where you're on a first name basis with all these like ex NFL quarterbacks who are these boutique coaches and yeah, there's something very commercial and commodified about these kids at that age that which means it's boring. It's boring, dude. It's there, so boring, which is why no surprise stories. Dude, that's why I like Lamar Jackson so much. You know, doggone it. Like, I want that kid to burn the league to the ground, if, yes. if only to disprove the whole like cyborg robotic quarterback theory that this is the way to go. You know, and, and ditto for Baker Mayfield. So it's not a a race thing. It's it, more of a backstory thing. And if you think about that, like, which of those guys have been stars? I realize that the NFL, like, this is more of a recent thing. But if you think about the best quarterbacks in recent NFL history, you mentioned Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, yeah. uh, dual sport, switch baseball colleges. player, too short. Yep. Switch Drew Brees. Yep. Th- played in a weird college, like an air raid system in yep. the Big Ten at Purdue, with non-football school, and he's tiny. Then yep. he was Philip Rivers' backup, and now he has been one, a top five quarterback forever. Yeah, yeah. Tom Brady, you know, legendary sixth round pick. Yep. Um, who else is out there? Aaron Rodgers was a almost a second round pick. Yep. He, I think he was a JUCO transfer to Cal. Yeah. And and you get all this stuff, and you're like, all the best quarterbacks today are not the robotic robotic guys right. because. There's something about them that that because robotic doesn't have any standout qualities. Well, dude, it's kind of like here. Here's the analog in a weird way to our business pipe. I mean, it's kind of like being a writer in that you know you you take a swath of the evangelical landscape or any landscape, and a bunch of people want to be writers. And you can go to writing schools. You can go to a different writing conference every week. You can pay these like freelance editor writing guru types to help you know shepherd your manuscript through the process and at the end of the day if you don't have the special magical quality the thing that makes you different and publishable like it's still not going to happen you know what i mean but there's this whole industry out there that's set up to like trade on that dream you know and yeah the i think the parallel is that like these quarterback camps and these gurus they're like the mega churches they are where they they take people of moderate communication talent, mm-hmm. tell everybody they're famous, yeah. and then what skills they do have are kind of overappreciated. Yeah, and so right. you get like the mega church pastor book writer who's quantifiably who's just, boring in yeah, every way. Who's just, yeah, and, and quantifiably exactly the same as all the others. That's right. Quantifiably a product of his industry. You know, um, not noteworthy. He's not doing or saying anything that's. Uh, you know, that's interesting that, that breaks the mold. And yeah, I, th- I think it's the same, man. And in the same way that I'm drawn to writers with interesting, unusual backstories, you know, I'm, I'm drawn to quarterbacks in the same way. And, and that's not to disparage the, the Lawrence kid. I mean, watching him play the other night was really fun. And, you know, I kept saying over and over a year ago, this kid was playing high school football, but he's not he wasn't playing high school football in the same way that you and I did. You know, he was he was <laughs> playing high school it. football as a as an employee of his family. You know, I mean, who, who's been 
you know, kind of coddled and, and curated to get him to that point, you know, and, and man, I, I don't know if it's like pie in the sky idealism or just some sense of nostalgia, but I guess I want my kids to have a high school experience that's as normal as possible. And, you know, I'll send my kid to a couple football camps next summer because he wants to go and he, he likes playing, but... Um, and that's you know. the right reason for him to go because yeah. he likes the game, not because you're trying to turn him into anything. Like you're trying yeah. to turn him into a a great man. Yeah, and the if loving loves football the and, and playing that with friends is part of that, wonderful. If he decides he wants to go play guitar instead, that's power cool to too. Him. Yeah, more power to him for sure. There, yeah. I, I, so I guess there's something in these these narratives and these rises to prominence that just if they want it too badly, it almost makes it worse you know um so and and quarterback is one of those positions where you can't you can't put in what god left out you know and i think there is something magical to baker mayfield's game lamar's game maybe this trevor lawrence kid's game too maybe he's got it but um and man i hope he does because i none of this none of this sound that sounds disparaging is is a wish like right if I ever say I think a player is going to be bad, it doesn't mean I want him to be bad. Yeah, that's it right. means I think that's he's right. going to be bad. I mm-hmm. want every quarterback who gets drafted to be good because the NFL and yeah. football as a whole is better when all the players are good and healthy. Well, dude, so I totally agree. And that's what I hope for. I just don't think it's going to happen, dude. Let's let's talk about that though in the context of the current NFL, and let's use Trevor Lawrence as a bridge to some of these new coaching hires. So. Um, you look at Trevor Lawrence and you look at his, his best game, which let's just call it the national championship, which is a pretty good, it's a pretty good game to have your best game in. Like, yeah, no kidding. I, I haven't looked at a game by game breakdown of, um, EJ Manuel or, uh, Christian Ponder or some of these other guys, Jake Locker, who went in the first round in the last 10 years. But I gotta, I gotta think Trevor Lawrence's best college game, yeah is far and away head and shoulders above anything that those guys produced in college. Yet those guys were, were kind of made into first round prospects. Um, I watched a lot of Josh Rosen last year. I don't know that he played a game as good as the one that Trevor Lawrence played. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting, like if you're just looking at a kid's tape and you're looking at what he did against the best team on the biggest stage, um, you know, he's got to be in that discussion, but, um, that said, Piper, a lot of these new coach hires in the NFL seem to be just about curating the quarterback. Um, so a, a, well, a guy... They, they Even more than that, they seem to be just about imitating Sean McVay. Yeah, that's right, Like it's, it's not even just like, this, this guy is a good quarterback guru. It's like, this guy uh, had a text exchange with Sean McVay, so they're basically <laughs> yeah. friends, let's hire him. Dude, right. He's young, he's good-looking, he's got a certain pedigree, let's, let's hire him to be our coach. And... Man, to me, it's just emblematic at how millions and millions of dollars are spent on analytics and scouting and, you know, pro personnel and, you know, evaluating potential coaches. And at the end of the day, Piper, it's just darts at a board, you know, like, um, so let's talk about these hires. Let's go through these new ones. Um, I, I want you to start. Tell us the one that you liked the most and the one that you liked the least. The one that I liked the most. Uh, well, the one that I liked the most was the one that didn't fit the bill, and it was Denver's yep. hire of Vic Fangio. 
Yeah, talk about that, man. I really well, like that one. The main reason I love it is because Vic Fangio no longer coaches the Bears defense. <laughs> and as a Vikings fan, I'm very happy because he go. was a really good coach of a really good defense. And I'm happy to see him take his talents elsewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other reason I like it is because, because it would have made no sense for yeah. Denver to try to follow the quarterback like the, the quarterback coddler thing. Yep. Instead, yep. they looked at it and they're like, we have potentially the best pair of outside rushers in the league That's for right. as long as Von Miller is healthy. We have a, a pretty okay defense other than that, but those two guys are spectacular. Yeah. And if you look at what Fangio did once the Bears got uh, Khalil Mack, he clearly knows what to do with a good defensive line and yep. how to turn that into just a fierce defense. And yeah, Denver's defense is going to be scary next year. Yeah. And they, I I don't, so I like that as the head coaching model and him overseeing the defense. I'm a little skeptical at the, like, John Elway kind of building the entire staff instead of letting Fangio do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good model because they decided to keep Kubiak as their offensive coordinator. Yeah. Or, like, move him from an advisory role into that. Now, he has been a really successful coach for a long time. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm intrigued, though, because I think Kubiak is, he's not an offensive wizard, yeah. But neither is he like an old school Luddite. Yeah. And and he's built some good offenses even in fairly recent years. And I think he can put that offense in a position more in a position to support the defense as opposed to being explosive. Like yeah. they're gonna run the ball more, they're going to be a more ball control offense, all of which plays a little bit more to Case Keenum's strengths too. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I think in terms of the right coaching hire for the team as well as getting him out of the NFC North, Fangio might be my favorite. Yeah, I actually think they have a lot of they have a lot of the markings of this year's Bears. You know, if you look at Philip Lindsay, they've got kind of a caretaker at quarterback in Case Keenum who can do some things, but he's limited, uh, much like Mitch Trubisky. Um, they're gonna have a scary defense. I, I think they could have a Bears like experience next year in terms of in, in terms of making a little leap with the guys that they have. So um, yeah, I agree with that one. I like Fangio a lot. I, I think um, the one that I like a lot, and it's going to be controversial, is uh, Cliff Kingsbury to the Cardinals. I wondered um, if you were going to say that. Uh, yeah, I have a little, you know, I have a little personal history with Cliff, and that he was the the executive producer on our movie, which uh, which helps. But um, just kind of watching him from afar because of that, the last couple of years, um, he's an incredible like culture guy. Um, I think the kids have loved playing for him at Texas Tech. Um, he's a great kind of mobilizer of people, and he's got that pass game guru, quarterback whisperer kind of pedigree that teams are looking for right now. And um, Arizona has been panned for hiring a guy who got fired from a college job a couple of months ago, but um, I actually think he's going to do magical things with Josh Rosen. Um, I think he's going to level up that receiving core, uh, get the most out of David Johnson at this stage in his career. And I don't think Arizona's roster is ready to make the kind of leap that um, maybe the Bears made this year or the Rams made even. But um, I I think Cliff is going to have a lot of success there without a lot of the constraints of the college job. He doesn't have to recruit. He doesn't have to fundraise. He doesn't have to, you know, glad hand with all the florid Texas oil billionaires that he had to to glad hand with at Texas Tech and um I I just think it's going to be a great fit and I think the I think the pro guys are going to respond to his style really really well um he's just a guy who speaks the language of of pro athletes and I think it's going to go well when I I heard I think it was one of the guys on uh maybe 
maybe Kevin Mays or Robert Clark on the uh, on the Ringer NFL podcast, and they were saying the the sole purpose of that hire was because Josh Rosen can't have another year like he did. Yeah, in in just in terms of the culture, because you think about uh, where Jared Goff was his rookie year with Jeff Fisher, and it was it was horrendous. People so called him bad. a bust. So yeah. and then and then McVay came in, and he immediately turned around. Yep. Now I don't know. I don't know if this will work like that, but even just culturally, putting the quarterback in a spot where he he can find some success, yep, where where he can be respected, where he can find confidence, yep. I mean, that's the difference between turning into you know Ryan Leaf and turning into <laughs> you know Jared Goff, and I think yeah, Josh Rosen yeah. and Jared Goff are pretty similar players. So I think they are too, and if anything, Rosen may have a little bit more upside than Jared Goff. Yeah, but. I think he's more physic. Like he he came out like measurably more physically gifted. But yep, yep. That's yeah, right. I, I, that I mean that's a crapshoot hire, but I understand the purpose behind it. Sure. Yeah, it totally is a crapshoot hire, but but yeah, like you said, I could see it's a roll of the dice, but it's a. It's a calculated roll of the dice that kind of, um, you know, dovetails with what's happening in the league more broadly. Um, yeah. Give me one that you one that you hated, Pipe. Uh, there are two that I think are just abjectly moronic hires. Lamb on. Um, I bet we agree. Uh, the first one I'm almost certain we agree on, and it's the Jets <laughs> hiring Adam Gase. Yeah, fascinating, dude. N- noted, noted QB whisperer who has never <laughs> coached a good quarterback in his career ever. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and in fact, he has he has overseen offenses that were among the worst passing offenses in the league. Mm. Even, you know, and I know people will be like, but Tannehill was injured. Yeah, but they weren't good when Tannehill was there. Yeah. So him overseeing the offense and the development of Sam Darnold makes me sad. Yeah. Because I want Sam Darnold to burn the league down. Dude, like, I, I would love I that want him too. to be so good. I would love that too because I like Darnold and I, I had a blast watching him in college. But... So is there precedent, Piper, for a losing, fired, unsuccessful coach being immediately hired in the same division? Is this a first? I'm sure there have been articles written about this already, and I just haven't looked at them. But, I, I mean, Adam Gase getting dropped by Miami and picked up by the Jets in the same, like, off-season coaching cycle, that just strikes me as Man. a wild thing. Yeah, but the, there's probably the, really... The divisional thing is the thing that throws me because... I mean, they're clearly bad coaches who've been hired elsewhere. That sure. happens all the time. There's but, probably like a really obvious one that I'm just not remembering. But yeah, and then and there are so many coaches who are you know they're like interim coaches one place and picked up elsewhere. There's just so much shuffling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I don't. I mean, I I hope Gase is a good coach, and I hope the sure. Miami situation was just so much a culture problem that it couldn't work. But yeah, I just didn't see anything there that was like, oh, he's really creative with this offense. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And, you know, I can't imagine you're you're more on social than I am, obviously. But, like, is the Jets fan base going bananas over this in a bad way? Like, I can't I imagine mean, the Jets fan base is excited to have, yeah. like, a cast-off Dolphins coach, um, you know, lead them into the next the next era, you know? I haven't seen anything particular, but that's because there's, like, 42 Jets fans and I don't follow any of them. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think the, the other hire that I thought was just moronic mm-hmm. was the Bengals hiring i think his name is zach martin uh-huh. who was the quarterback's coach for sean McVay. interesting because first of all it's a massive leap from position coach to head coach yep second of all 
Um, no, not Zach, yeah, Zach Taylor, I think his name is. Oh, Zach Taylor. Yeah. The former yeah, Nebraska yeah. quarterback who was, uh, yeah, yeah who Sorry, was the QB coach of the Rams. Again, too. I'm mixing up names with current or former players. And exactly. so, there have been like three Zach Martins in the league. Yeah. So you're, you're close. You're in the way. Anyway, Zach average white dude name. Yeah. Um, and so here's the thing. If Sean McVay is the offensive genius yep, and he's the play caller and he gets credit for Goff's turnaround and that offensive, that offensive explosion, um, is this just like is this just like sort of guilt by association or I guess it's like compliment by association like oh you were part of that thing so you must know how to do this thing and then they hired him I just I I don't understand the rationale of jumping somebody from position coach to head coach yeah in a posi- in a situation where it's not a quarterback development situation cuz Andy Dalton is a tenured veteran. Dude, right. Andy Dalton is what he's going to be. Andy Dalton is what Kirk Cousins would like to be. Dude, seriously. That's, yeah, after Andy this Dalton year, is... that's my that's my that's my analysis. Dude, right, that's a good that's a good analysis. I mean, that's the that's the ceiling for Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, and and yeah, so this this is one piper that's that just smacks of like, you know, I had a five minute conversation with Sean McVay at the mall, therefore I'm uh and I'm I'm under a certain age, and I look a certain way, so I'm ready to be a head coach. Yeah, this one makes no sense to me. Um, the one that I thought you were going to mention, and I'll, I'll be interested to get your take on this one, um, is the former Titans offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, to the Packers. Um, now, I didn't watch every Titans game, but I kind of kept track of their offensive production or lack thereof and some of their stat lines as the I would also like to offer condolences to anybody who did watch every Titans game. Seriously, that's a painful, painful experience. But in the same way that you saw nothing kind of creative or mold-breaking in the Dolphins' offense, doggone it, man. I just didn't see the Titans doing anything that creative. You know, and the the word was he's going to open up the offense and you're going to see a lot more – you know, motion and play action and, you know, a lot more interesting route concepts and, you know, it's going to level up the receiving core. I just didn't see it. Like Mariota has regressed. He has not gotten better. Um, you know, this season was, you know, we're quickly entering into Andy Dalton is the ceiling for Marcus Mariota kind of territory too, which would be. Well, that's generous. Yeah. It's, it's real it's, generous. I mean, I, I think playing 13 games is the ceiling for Marcus Mariota at this point, like staying on the field. Should dude, be it's his, funny though. You have, goal. you have this conversation with a Titans fan and the claws come out. Like they're yeah. ready to like rip my face off. If I suggest that, see, I have a different, if I could, if I could give a career arc for Mariota, it would be yeah. Jake Plummer at this point. Yeah. If he Although, can figure out how to be late career, Jake Plummer, that would be that would that's to a me dramatic be, improvement over where he is. I was going to say that would be high ceiling to me. That would be high high ceiling because late career Jake Plummer, like played well in a lot of important games, you know. And Mariota can't prove that he can stay on the field. You know, when he is on the field, his numbers are pedestrian. Um, so I I don't see a lot in the Mariota arc or the arc of the Titans offense to suggest that. You know, Matt LaFleur is this incredible hire for the Packers, man. This one, I don't get the logic behind it. I get that Green Bay is kind of a unique animal. It's a different market. You know, you're dealing with a collective more than a, a single kind of figurehead as an owner. Like, there's some there's some unique things about it. Aaron Rodgers is there, who's almost, like, gone from being an asset to being, like, 
overbearing de facto late career player coach. You yeah, know what I mean? He's kind of turned into late career Kobe Bryant. Dude, he's turned into late career Kobe Bryant in the sense that as a coach, if you don't get along with Rodgers, like he can ruin your life, you know, and he can ruin your your experience as a head coach. And, you know, it's clear to everyone in the building that Rodgers has more power than you if you're Matt LaFleur. And Which tells me that Matt LaFleur was probably Aaron Rodgers' pick for coach. Yeah. I mean, it I definitely mean, wasn't. Rogers was very gonna, unlikely that the front office just picked him and you know shot Aaron a text and was like, "Oh, by the way, here's your new coach." Yeah, I mean, Rogers definitely wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna advocate for Bruce Arians, you know, somebody who's gonna be the the parent. You know, I mean, Bruce Arians uh, isn't gonna be somebody that Rogers could control or manipulate or whatever. And speaking um, of Arians, I think that hire in Tampa is has has unique potential. Dude, I dig that hire for Tampa. Here's what I think they're going to do. They're going to let Winston walk, which they should totally do. I think they're going to bring in a Teddy Bridgewater type. And Arians you think is they're going to let do. Winston walk? I thought, I thought that they already brought, like, picked up an option for him, or am I wrong? Dude, maybe they did. I feel like the Titans did that for Mariota. But um, maybe I'm conflating the two, and maybe it was Winston. But, dude, I would absolutely let Winston walk. Because um, every... Every bit of analysis I've read or heard, the question is, how does Arians fit with Winston at quarterback? Yeah. So that my I I was under the assumption he was coming back. Yeah, he might be, man. Although I think the Arians' mo is to like bring in a late career guy and you know maximize the the twilight years. I mean, that's kind of what he's done in the past. But um, in terms of style, though, I mean, if if Winston is good at anything on the football field, and he hasn't been an abject disaster, he just hasn't been a good number one overall pick. Yeah, and I'd say personality wise, he's a disaster. But yeah, he the things he's good at are the things that Arian's offense thrives on, and yeah. it's a lot of that like thirteen to twenty five yard crossing routes and out routes. So it's a lot yeah. of that like mid, you know, kind of push the ball downfield, but not vertical shots. Yeah, and that's where that's where uh, Winston is pretty decent he's got and he's got a good arm for it yeah. so i if he stays the only question is like i think the biggest question clearly is just can winston keep his head on straight yeah absolutely no i know man and and nobody can predict that unfortunately so uh piper our time is drawing to a close i have to hop off here uh but before we do let's get a real quick book recommendation i've got uh, i've got several because christmas was kind to me in the sports book realm but uh lay one on me uh, you go first. I, I'm trying to remember what I had one in mind, and then I and then I forgot it. So you go first, dude. Okay, so mine is a brand new one. Uh, it's a brand new football book by a podcaster that I love named Michael Lombardi. Uh, he's on the the yes. Ringer Podcast yep. Network. He co-hosts a show called GM Street with Tate Frazier. Funny, funny dude, man. Very funny. Everything is like a Sopranos reference for that guy. Um, and he's just a just a, a great personality and a great football mind. Former GM. Uh, in the league with several teams and has just got a great pedigree but really really interesting book a lot of old Bill Walsh stuff in there a lot of Al Davis stuff because he worked for both organizations and uh, the book is called Gridiron Genius uh, by Mike Lombardi and uh, it's a great read about team building and uh, the draft player evaluation all the stuff that we like to talk about well, I'm glad you recommended that because I I you know I've heard him talk about it on the podcast I think he's really entertaining and I just mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if I wanted to pick it up, so that's yeah. uh, I'll have to go do that now. It's a good one. Um, so I've got one that's it's a little off the beaten path because it's it's not a true sports book, but sports play a massive part in it. Mm-hmm. And it's called Bear Town by oh, Frederick, dude. 
by Frederick Bachman or Bachman. I love Bear Town. I'm so glad you mentioned that, man. What a great book. I feel like we could do a whole episode on this yeah this i mean this is a book that this is a book that deserves to be featured on like a literature podcast that's how that's that's the nature of like the character writing and the story yeah um so it's the one of the most subtly amazing things about this is that uh frederick bachman writes in swedish and then the book is translated into english and as good as it is in english it doesn't feel like it lost anything like any of the nuances any of the like the beauty any of the any which means that in Swedish, it must be straight fire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, that's one aspect. But the, the, it's about this tiny town in remote Sweden that is essentially they live and die by their hockey team. And then, but, but it's really about the town. And yeah. it's about, you know, the nature of the town, the faults of the town, the character of the town, and these key players, and then some tragedy that happens and how the town responds and what part hockey plays in it. So I'd say hockey is more like a lead character. Yep. than it is what the book is about. Uh, and I'm not going to say any more because there's there's a lot of twists in, in how it plays out, and I don't want to ruin it because people should absolutely read it. But yeah. Bear Town by Frederick Bachman is just remarkable. Yeah, dude, I agree. It's incredible. I read that book um, a few months ago and was just blown away by it. Um, I haven't read his other – the other novel that he's, I think, more famous for is A Man Called Ove. Have you read that one? Well, it's, I think it's it's pronounced Uva because okay. it's Swedish. But yeah, oh, I, I have you. I listened to that one on audiobook. I loved that one because nice. it 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 is nothing like Bear Town in terms of plot or context. It's about an old guy who's. I'll give you the the premise is that he spends the whole book essentially trying to convince himself to commit suicide uh-huh. because his wife is gone and he just doesn't think he has anything else to live for. But he's but he's also like a deeply gold hearted person who hates all of his neighbors. Mm. So he's really good and really angry and cranky all the time. Huh. It's just this really fascinating blend of like laugh out loud, funny yeah. and, and kind of deeply sad, sure. but it, but it, it's not a depressing book in the end. Just interesting, you know, spoiler alert, no, but no, apparently bear town has a sequel, which I haven't read yet. I think it's called us against them or us against you. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. so I, I just, uh, I just, put that on a list because i was like man if the first one was that good i absolutely have to read the second one absolutely absolutely man that's fascinating yeah i'll have to check that one out too but piper we have done what we always do on this program in that we have wandered to and fro throughout the world of sports um a couple of topics that we had on the on the docket the pre-production set list that we didn't get to we'll have to get to them next time um i have baseball questions for you for next time too some interesting uh mariners player signings that have gone down since our last sports show so uh, we'll have to do another one of these again soon, man, and cue those uh, those topics up next. But until then, drink some Ligaris Roasters coffee, uh, LigarisRoasters.com, Happy Rant Signature Blend. Get that and drink it. And until next time, ooh, player name, Piper. It always sneaks up on me. Oh, let's see. Uh, who would – how about, how about uh, Jake Plummer's full name, Jacob Plummer? Until next time, Jake the Snake Plummer. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. 
Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. 